You are listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. We're going to pick up mostly where we left off last week. We started talking about prayer. And, and in particular, I mean, it's, it's such a huge, huge subject in a way. Uh, but in particular, what the Lord put on my heart um, was all of these verses, and I think we're just going to continue through several of them this morning, the verses that talk about praying without ceasing, praying continually, praying always. And a lot of us kind of stumble over that because we can't figure out how to do that and do other things at the same time. And uh, so I want to keep digging into those. Those are important verses. But the foundation verse, I'm going to just review a little bit. Um, from last week, this foundation verse that we've been looking at is out of James chapter 5, verse 16 in the Amplified Bible. And it says, the earnest, heartfelt, continued, there's that word continued, prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. And last week, I just asked you the question up front, you know, what is your context for prayer? What did you grow up with? I mean, on the one hand, Prayer is any communication with God. There are lots of specific types and focuses and reasons for prayer, and we're going to get into those, some of those in this series. But, you know, what was the context you grew up in? And I, I talk, you know, some, because I've known people that grew up in households where prayer was just absolutely normal. I mean, it just went on all the time. You, it was a part of the dynamic of your family. Some of us grew up in households where there was absolutely no prayer and no reference to God. Some of us grew up in households that were somewhere in between that. Some of us grew up where prayer, prayers were something that were repeated. There were specific prayers that we just repeated those. And, and uh, others, others grew up with more of a conversational prayer. Some of, I've known a number of people that grew up and it wasn't, um, prayer wasn't really emphasized in their own house, but they had an aunt or a grandma or, you know, somebody who was a serious praying person. And, and they, I've had people give me, uh, talk to me about how when they'd go to that person's house, go to Aunt Minnie's house, you know, or whoever it was, they could sense the difference. They could tell she had this relationship with God. Some of us grew up thinking that prayer had to be really eloquent and formal. You had to say all the right words. We had to pray in King James English like any of us knew that, you know. And, and then others of us grew up with just, you know, a conversation with God. Just making ourselves, um, making our needs and our desires known, listening to him. So we talked about all that and, and just I just kind of wanted all of us to think about that because the Bible says so much about prayer. And again, there, we're going to look at different really specific areas of prayer. Uh, but for all of us, it's, it's sort of, there's a, there can be a transformation, a transition into understanding what prayer is about and what's available to us with it. So, so we talked some about all of that, and then we made some points that I want to repeat. One was that New Testament prayer is not intended to move God. A lot of us have come up with this idea that our prayer, what we're trying to do is get God to move and do something. And I think it's really important to realize God moved in Christ. God has, he's given us his word. He's given us his promises. But Jesus Christ went to the cross to 
there's not a strong enough word that I know in the English language, but to ratify all of those promises, to, to open, our, open us to a, a dynamic, intimate relationship with our Father God. And within that context, like this verse, I mean, I didn't really know this at one point in my life, that the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man, that word righteous means in right relationship with God through Jesus Christ, doesn't mean perfect, doesn't mean a perfect man. It means a person that's in relationship with God. It makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. For a lot of people, prayer is sort of like it's a last resort, it's like, oh, well, we've done everything else. I guess we should pray. You know, that kind of idea. Or it's sort of like a roll of the dice. Let's see if anything happens. You know, that, that kind of deal. But um, it's, it's important to realize that God has moved toward us. The scripture tells us that all the promises of God are yes from his end in Christ. And because of that, we speak the amen, the so be it. We agree with what he's already done. So we're not trying to get him to do something new. We are trying to grab hold of something in the, in the spiritual realm that already belongs to us and, and then to release that into this earth. We're told to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. We have this role. We're not trying to convince him that we're good enough. We're not trying to convince him that somebody else deserves something. The only person that deserves anything is Jesus Christ, but we're in him. We've been brought into him. And so in that position and from that position, then we pray and we're wanting to agree with what God has already said. And we'll see that in a lot of, lot of different ways. Prayer is not limited to asking. Okay, it takes a lot of different forms. Again, it doesn't have to be formal. It doesn't have to be eloquent. Okay, we, we want to realize that God wants to partner with us and we are here to release his will into the earth. So it's important that we know what his will is. We'll probably talk about that uh, in a little bit here. But again, for a lot of people, their only context for prayer is asking for something or confession of sin, okay? Or repeating, you know, certain prayers that are written out somewhere, you know, just repeating those. Okay, we want to go way beyond that. We want, to, we want this to be an aspect of our intimacy with God. But it's so important to realize God is ready. God is willing. God has already done what he needs to do on his end. He has provided everything that anybody could need in Christ. And the believer's role is to stand in that place and take hold of what's been provided and release it in the earth. We're not fighting God in our, in our prayers. I don't, I don't know how many other ways to say that. So we looked at last week, we spent some time, looked at Luke 18, uh, beginning in verse 1. We're just going to look at verse 1 uh, this week. We spent some time in the rest of this passage uh, last week. But um, so Luke 18, verse 1, it says, Also, Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray, 
not turn coward, faint, lose heart, or give up. So um, in some of the Gospels, uh, this comes out in a couple of different places where his disciples came to him after seeing him pray and seeing the results that he got. They came and said, teach us to pray. Master, teach us to pray. All right. And out of one of those, we'll, we'll, if we get that far, we'll be looking at, we, we got the, the model prayer that we tend to call the Lord's Prayer. Uh, we got that. Jesus gave us that. And in this case, he, he answered with this um, parable that he told. But the point is that he said he gave this parable to the effect. What he wanted was that people ought always to pray, to not turn coward, faint, lose heart, and give up. And we talked about that word ought. It's a very important word. It's used in different places in the scripture. In this case, it's about prayer. It's about praying at all times. But that word ought means it speaks of something that is necessary or suited to the needs of the moment. So Jesus is saying prayer is always necessary and suited to the needs of the moment. Prayer is something that this, this word means that which is inevitable. Okay, well, why is that? Because as believers who are in a relationship with God and who uh, are engaged with him and his kingdom and what he's doing in this earth, it should be just inevitable that we would pray. Always that we would pray. They would just be so natural. It's another idea in this word. It's just the natural thing to do, given our position in Christ, our assignment in the earth, who God is, who we are. It's, it's, just, it's just natural. It's, it's, uh, it's a part of who we are as believers. It's expected. It's necessary. All right. That's what he's saying. So, so he's saying that people ought always to pray. They ought to consistently pray. And again, that word, that word ought is used of when the Holy Spirit over in Romans chapter 8, verse 26, it talks about that he, that the Holy Spirit in praying in us and through us as we pray in the Spirit, that it says we don't always know how we ought to pray. That means we don't always know the specific prayer. We don't always know what should be prayed. And I told you last week, this happens to me a lot. If you get, if you get beyond the surface, beyond somebody just saying, hey, I need healing for my arm, you know, but it, or, or, hey, would you pray over my marriage or would you pray over my business? If you start getting involved with people and their situations and what has caused the issue at hand and all of that kind of thing, a lot of times we make our lives really complex. Our problems feel real complex. And a lot of times God's solution is very simple. And that throws people off because the Lord will speak something to them or he'll use you to speak something to them. And it'll be the answer to that problem, but the problem looks so huge and the answer looks so small and they just go right past it. But the answers and the solutions that come from God, his wisdom is often really simple, but it's really powerful and it'll change the situation. But bottom line, the Holy Spirit, we don't always know how to pray 
as we ought. We don't know the right prayer. We don't know what's right for that situation. We don't know what we should pray at that moment. So the Lord gave us the Holy Spirit to dwell in us and pray with us and in us and through us. And it's awesome. It's an, you can pray in the Spirit over a situation. And then sometimes the Lord will reveal something to you as you, as you pray in the Spirit, as you pray in other tongues. The Lord will real, reveal something to you and you'll pray that out in your understanding. And you don't analyze it too much. You just pray it out, okay? And you go back and forth like that. And, and so it's a wonderful, wonderful gift that he's given. But the same word ought is used over there. Jesus said here, people will be more persistent often with an earthly situation. You know, it was the parable of the unjust judge. And this person went and the unjust judge, he was contrasting that person with God, not comparing him in nature with God. But the point was this person drove the judge nuts until he finally, she finally got what she wanted. And part of what Jesus was saying there is a lot of times people will put more effort and more persistence into something in the natural than they will in the spiritual. And he's saying, you know, we, we should be persistent in prayer. And it's so interesting that we do that because God is so much more gracious and forgiving and merciful and wise with us than most people that we deal with in the earth. And yet we'll be more persistent a lot of times on a natural level. And we need to turn that around. We need to be persistent in prayer. So, so, and Jesus actually asks the question at the end of this, when I come back, will I find persistent faith in the earth? You know, will I find that kind of persistent faith in the earth that seeks results? Again, not seeking to, to twist God's arm into doing something, but seeing God has provided for this, whatever this need is in Christ. And I'm not seeing it released here on earth yet. So I'm going to be persistent in grabbing hold of whatever that promise might be and praying it into this earth, releasing it as I'm going to stand. I am going to pray. You know, we see people that had a word from God that the Messiah was about to come who spent time in the temple praying and wouldn't leave until somebody brought that baby in uh, to, to be taken care of, until that baby was born. And then, and then we get the, you know, with, with the two individuals that are in that story, both of them were like, okay, I can, I can go to heaven now because what you put in my heart, the word I had from God has now been released in this earth. We see that kind of persistence in people and that's where, um, we need to be. This, you know, he said that always to pray, not faint, not give up. That, that terminology there means not lose courage, not become faint-hearted, not become despondent in the face of trial or opposition. And that means we've got to continually build, let the Lord build hope into our heart. Let the Lord, when you're praying over a situation that doesn't change for a long time, that's a lot of work. Intercessory prayer, when we get to talking about it, which isn't today, uh, is it's the picture in the scripture is one of giving birth. It's one of labor. It, it is something that the Holy Spirit will put on your heart to pray over something, and it'll come like, like a wave 
uh, of labor pains. You've just got to pray over this and work this and, and pray over the situation. And then it'll kind of ease for a while. And then it'll come. And all along the way, those of you who have given birth, which isn't me, um, you know that there, there's that labor that's ongoing and you don't have the promise yet. You don't have the kid yet, right? You're just working and working. And there's that kind of prayer. It's not all prayer, but when we're praying something into the earth, that's how it is. It comes and it's on you and it's such, it's so strong and you can just see what God has for somebody's life or for a community or whatever it is. You've got that word from him. You've got that sense of where he's going and you pray over that and you labor over that. And then there'll be a, you know, there'll be a time where it, it eases up and you're going along. You don't forget it, but you're going along, you're doing things and you don't have the promise yet. Well, that whole situation, that takes persistent faith and it requires anybody who engages in that, you've got to go back and get filled up. You've got to go back and get encouraged because it's hard to put a bunch of work into something and not see the fruit of it. It's hard to sense, it is hard to sense so strongly what God's purpose and plan and blessing is for somebody or a family or a community or whatever, to, to have that be so real in your heart, because it is, and yet not have it released yet in the earth. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard emotionally. It's hard. So in the midst of that, you need to get refreshed. Okay, you need to, I don't actually know when you breathe when you're having babies, so I probably shouldn't go any farther with that. But, yeah, but as Christians, we need to breathe. We need to drink of the Holy Spirit. We need to, you know, we need to get filled up again. So anyway, so, so let me talk to you for a few minutes here about, we touched on this last week, but I want to expand on it a bit. So Jesus said we shouldn't quit, shouldn't lose hope, shouldn't lose courage. We shouldn't quit. So why do we quit? There are lots of reasons why we quit. I'm just going to give you a few. And I, I gave you this one last week. Um, I don't know if this is why we quit. This is probably more what we do when we quit sometimes. But sometimes when we get, we've, we've been working a prayer for a while um, and we know something is God's will. We know that this is what he wanted. And yet when we don't see it come to pass for a while, a lot of people fall back into this thing of just saying, oh, well, it must just not be God's will. Okay, it must just not be God's will. So what I want to say about that is we need to know the will of God before we go into something in the first place. We need to know what his will is. We don't always know, any of us, every nuance of God's will for a situation. That's another place that praying in the Spirit comes in real handy. We don't know every nuance. I'm not saying you can know every specific detail, but we certainly can know his overall will for people. We can know what his overall will is. It's, it's always blessing it's always the best. And, and here, here's what it is. We need to be familiar with his nature. Okay, and the best place to look for what he's like is to look at Jesus Christ. He's the exact representation of the Father. If you can't see it in Jesus, then it's likely not part of the nature of God. All right, 
So God's never going to act uh, apart from his nature. He's never going to do something that's not in his nature to do. He's never going to steal. He's never going to kill. He's never going to destroy. He's never going to, he's never going to do murder. He is never going to, uh, he's never going to put it on your heart to covet something that belongs to somebody else, especially their husband or wife. You know, he's never there. He's never going to uh, just bring you into abject failure just to, you know, try and trip you up. Uh, you know, they're just all these things that are not a part of his nature. We don't see Jesus doing these things. He's always going to act according to his word. So his nature and his word, which are one and the same. All right. His word is always a reflection of his nature. His word spoken to us always points us to his nature, right? God does not lie. So he does not speak contrary to his nature, And so we can look at the word of God. And if you can see it in the word of God, if you can see a promise in the word that has been made, then it's God's will. So falling back into, it must just not be God's will. Essentially what we're doing there is we're blaming God for the lack of answer to prayer. All right. And and so we can know this. We can know his word. We can know, again, I'm talking about in general terms, but it's pretty specific. We know God said, I am the Lord God, your healer. All right. We never see Jesus make anyone sick. So if, if we're praying over sickness, sometimes we don't see those people healed. It's not because it wasn't his will. There's some other reason. There's either some disconnect from us and faith in prayer. There's something in there. It's somewhere on our ends. Nothing to get condemned about. It is something to learn from. This life is just a breath anyway. So when we lose those battles, as much as hard as it is to lose those battles, we've got to let them go and go on and pray for the next person. Okay? So it's... We, we look at his nature. This is how we know the will of God. We look at his nature. We look at his will, his word. We look at his promises, which are a part of his word. But if he's promised it, then all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ. That means it's his will. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Okay. We look at his ways. How does God go about things? What are his ways? The Bible talks a lot about his ways. How did he do it? How did Jesus do it? How did he respond to something? Those are God's ways. They're the way that God addresses things. And the best side of that that we try to grab hold of is if God did this before, he'll do it again. He doesn't change. If he did it for somebody else, he's no respecter of person. If it's a promise from his word and he did it for somebody else, he'll do it for you too. That promise belongs to you just as much as it does to them. You know, we've got a couple of really neat testimonies coming up. Um, Not today, uh, but coming up about job situations and things uh, where God has really moved in people's lives just recently here that really cool. And every time we bring out uh, a great testimony like that where God just did something miraculous in, in somewhere in somebody's life, then all of us always have that choice to make. Am I going to let that testimony of something maybe I'm believing for and haven't seen happen yet, am I going to, is that going to discourage me or is that going to encourage me? And every one of us have to make that decision. I've seen lots of people, then they, they just go right to, well, why didn't, you know, why didn't God do that for me? That promise 
belongs to you too. And when we see somebody else blessed, we can grab hold of that and it just, just let it pull us forward into persistent prayer. Does that make sense to you? Okay. So, and then the final one is we know God's will through the cross. We know through what, if Jesus took it to the cross and the big categories are sin and death, sin and spiritual death, okay, sickness and poverty. All of those, the Bible says specifically, Jesus became those things so that we could be set free from them. Those are big categories. And especially when you start talking about poverty, there are a lot of reasons people end up in poverty. But it's, there are a lot of reasons, a lot of practical reasons in our lives. But it's not because it's God's will. God made this earth to produce tremendous abundance. There's, there is no reason... There is no reason, there are lots of reasons, but there is no reason spiritually, okay, for people uh, to be struggling in that way. So when we look at the cross, what did Jesus take to the cross? What did he become our substitute for? What did he sacrifice for? That's always God's will. It'd be really, really unfair and crazy for God to... um, you know, have Jesus die on the cross to set us free from something and then, and then turn around and put it, put it on us the next day. That would be a kingdom divided against itself, which wouldn't stand. So sometimes we just, we, we give up, we quit, we fall back uh, for, for various reasons. All right, here's another one. Sometimes we just flat get tired and give up. I've done it. You know, we just get tired. We get tired of standing for something. The scripture says when you've done all to stand, stand therefore. But God doesn't expect you to do that, to stand for something in someone's life, your own life or somebody else's life, in your own ability. The, you know, I said last week that prayer is always communication with God and the first part of communication is listening, not speaking. We've got to spend, I think, probably 80 or 85%, this is my opinion, of our prayer life should be spent in devotional intimacy with God, getting filled up, all right, getting filled up, knowing him better so that we're going out with something strong. Sometimes we just get tired and give up. It's better to get filled up. Okay, And we do that by spending time in God's presence. Acts chapter 3 verse 19 tells us, Karen quoted it this morning, times of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord. So if you're getting too burdened down with something you're praying over and praying for, if you're getting discouraged, sometimes we get discouraged because we haven't seen something. Sometimes we get mad at people. Because we haven't seen something. We get mad at the person we're praying for. That's not helpful, okay? <laughs> That's not helpful. Sometimes we get mad at other people because they're not doing what they should do. It's a, it's most of that, it's a, it's a facet of being tired. I've been praying over this hard and I feel like I'm all by myself carrying this thing. Well, I mean, listen to what you just said. I didn't say that. What you just said. I'm... I'm tired because I'm all by myself carrying this thing. We should never be all by ourselves carrying anything. We are partnering with Almighty God. And it's like anything else. If you don't stay strong, 
you're not going to be any good. No matter how much you desire to be effective in prayer, if you don't keep your spiritual life strong, you're not going to, you're not going to be effective. You need rest, and God will provide it for you. You need spiritual infilling, and God will provide it for you. You need sometimes to take a break and trust God. How many of you, I didn't intend to say any of this, how many of you have gotten into these situations where you get feeling like, I'm the one who knows how to pray here in this situation. This part of my family, they don't, they don't know those things. They don't know the promises. They don't know the word. They don't have a relationship with God. It's all up to me. And we get into that place and that's so, I mean, there's, man, we need to come back to humility. There are places for saying, Lord, I will do whatever you want me to do. I'll speak whatever. I will declare whatever. I will prophesy whatever. I will spend the night praying. But this is, this is, up, this is up to you. I mean, I can't make this happen. I'm pulling on what you have done. There's a place for resting. There's a place for, I've seen times where people were praying so hard over something and it wasn't until they let go a little bit that it took place. Think about Abraham and Sarah. Believing for that baby to come for all of those years and all the stuff they went through with their faith, all the different situations they went through. And it wasn't until, you know, you know what Isaac means? Laughter. It's what the name means, laughter. It wasn't until they were able to laugh and say, this is impossible, God, but you are the God of the impossible. It wasn't until they could let go and then, boom, you're going to have a baby next year. Look it up. It's very close to what I just said. <laughs> so, uh, whoa. Sorry. Um, so, times are refreshing. We've got to get built up. We've got to spend time with God. All right. Jude 1.20 tells us that we build ourselves up in our most holy faith by praying in the Spirit. All right. And then also we need to ask for agreement from like-minded believers. Honestly, I think you need to be careful who you pick up as prayer partners. You need to pick up people that will pray the word, will pray in agreement. But there is tremendous power available in agreement. One of the avenues of prayer that we have is the prayer of agreement. When two or three agree as touching anything, it will be done. There's, I don't even think we understand the power that is in agreement. You need, when you're getting tired and you're wanting to quit, you need people that can pray with you. And to be in agreement, I'm getting weeks ahead of myself here, we need to have a foundation for agreement. We need to have something to agree on. Well, the word of God, the promises that you are pulling on are the thing to agree upon. We'll talk more about that some other week. Okay, are you getting anything out of this? Okay, sometimes people quit because they're unsure of God's nature because they don't know their covenant, you know, that type of thing. Again, it's just sort of a last resort for them. And sometimes, a lot of times, people quit because they have an inherent inherent sense of unworthiness within themselves. They don't know, they have not grasped their position 
in Christ, what the Lord has done for them to bring them into partnership with himself. And so they, they're just unsure. They're just uncertain. They don't know if God will, you know, again, they struggle with, well, I see that God did this over here, but I don't know if he'd do it for me. You know, well, if you're a believer, if you've made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, then you are the righteousness of God in him. You have free and open access to him. It's kind of the whole point. Okay, so let's move on, go through a couple more of these. First Thessalonians chapter uh, 5, verses 16 and 18, that's up on your screen. It's another one of these. Uh, it says, be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So again, it says pray continually. And what that means, it doesn't mean to cease all other activity, you know, I can't think about anything else. I've got to go live in the monastery and just pray 24-7. It's not that. It just means to have this continual awareness of the presence of God, of his involvement, have a continual conversation with him, move into different facets of prayer as you go through your day. It doesn't mean you can't do anything else. Paul wrote this, and Paul started churches, raised up leaders, made tents, worked jobs, spent time in prison, did all kinds of things. And, and at the same time, he's teaching us pray continually. All right. And again, a lot of Paul's prayers for people were about, were reminding himself about their faith. He was thanking God for their faith, thanking God for their giving, thanking God for the work of Christ that he was seeing in their life. It was positive stuff. It's not all wrestling. It's not all pulling on the devil. It's not all that. A lot of it is just giving thanks continually. You know, this, this, this little passage right here, be joyful always. We've talked about this before. Rejoicing, rejoicing, okay, produces joy in the kingdom. On the earth, people just, if they feel joy, then they'll rejoice, okay? If they feel thankful, then they'll say thank you, all right? It's the opposite in the kingdom. Rejoicing, being joyful, expressing joy releases joy expressing gratitude when you don't feel like it, when your brain is full of all the negative, you just begin to thank God for who he is, for what he's done. You go back and you start to thank him for the things he's done in your life. You thank him for what you see in the scripture and you will become a thankful person. It'll absolutely change your life. And it's, it's the same with prayer. Sometimes we feel really inspired to pray. And sometimes we don't, but we pray anyway. We pray anyway. We pray the word. We pray. We know, you know, we come in here and pray over the church and the community and all that every week. Sometimes I, I come in those, on those Wednesday mornings or whatever. I don't feel like praying. I, I don't feel like praying. I don't have a thing. I come in, I'm just a blank slate. I don't have a thing. But I know what the word says. I know what God's will is for people in this valley. So we just start declaring it. We start speaking and pretty soon, boy, the Holy Spirit starts to give specific images and words and things to pray. And it, and it can get really dynamic, but it doesn't always start there. You just choose to do what the scripture says to do. All right. So that verse goes on. It's not on your screen, but 1 Thessalonians 5 uh, the next part, verses 19 through 22, it says, do not put out the Spirit's fire. 
Don't quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything. Hold on to the good. Avoid every kind of evil. What I want to say from that is we have, these, we have this encouragement to be joyful always, to pray continually, to be thankful all the time in all circumstances, to hold on to those things, to do those things. Sensitivity to the Holy Spirit is directly related to us making those decisions. Being, staying sensitive to what the Holy Spirit's doing and saying and his intentions and what he wants declared, what he wants prayed, all of that is directly connected to developing those habits of rejoicing, of gratitude, and of praying in every season of life. Not giving up, not quitting, just going ahead and doing those things. When you don't stir up joy, when you don't stay thankful, when you don't maintain a prayer life, you tend to become cynical, you tend to become hopeless, you tend to grab onto what you can see in the natural and think that's just the way it is and the way it's always going to be. You tend to become confused. All these things begin to happen. We lose that sensitivity to what the Spirit of God is saying because I don't care what's going on in the earth, God's will for people doesn't change. His blessing doesn't doesn't change. His, his, uh, his plans don't change and he will bring them to pass. He's just looking for people. It says, it says, don't quench the spirit. Don't put out the spirit's fire. All right. Which would be through becoming unthankful, you know, no joy in your life, abandoning prayer, abandoning that connection with God, we quench, we can quench the Spirit. It says, do not treat prophecies with contempt. You know, prophecy is a big word in the New Testament, and it's used various ways. Are you still with me? We'll quit pretty soon. Uh, but, but the overall picture, prophecy is just speaking out what God is saying right now. It's, it's speaking out or writing that what is proceeding from the heart of God immediately. So being sensitive to the Holy Spirit, not quenching the Holy Spirit, then we begin to sense what God, what is God saying? What is God declaring? And it's usually totally different than what we are seeing in the natural. Again, we're bringing something forth. We're grabbing hold. What an incredible privilege this is to be able to spend time with the Lord and have him show you, here's my plan for this group of people or for your business, for your family or for this marriage. Here's my plan for it. My plan is not what you're seeing. And our prayer needs to be declaring, prophesying what God is saying. Not always just taking, God's already aware of the problem. And I'm not saying, you know, when we look at the prayers that David prayed in the Psalms, he started out a lot of times talking about the problem, okay? He was on the other side of the cross, so there is that. But, but at any rate, he talked out a lot of times. He'd tell him, you know, the enemies are going to kill me. It's a terrible day, you know, whatever. And then, but by the end... He had turned it around to how good God was, how awesome God was, how faithful God was. Our prayers need to be filled with declaring. There's, there's power released when you pray the word and the will of God. There's power released. Complaining, just complaining, doesn't do much. It, I mean, it does a lot in the negative. It doesn't solve anything. 
Do you ever notice that the word murmuring that's used about Israel throughout the Old Testament seems to be in a negative context from God's <laughs> perspective? I don't want to be a murmurer. I imagine God hears plenty of that. And he doesn't need mine. So the point here being we build these things into our lives then we'll stay sensitive to the Holy Spirit. We won't uh, reject prophecy. Somebody comes along and begins to say, here's what the Lord wants for Gunnison. Here's what God, God wants us to be a place where it's just a fountain of the Holy Spirit running through the streets where people can't even come through, even if they're just being pushed off of I-70 and driving down and driving through. They're gonna have some kind of an experience with Jesus Christ. They are going to see something that's going to move them the right direction. They're going to be impacted by the beauty. They're going to run across, not run over, but run across a Christian somewhere. They're going to be, they're going to be blessed in some way. I mean, instead of, oh man, all this traffic. I mean, it's just such a pain and the smoke and oh man, I wish these people would all go away. Instead of that, God has a plan. They're coming through our jurisdiction. All those people are flowing through our jurisdiction. Some are stopping, some aren't. Doesn't mean the Holy Spirit can't touch them. Are you getting what I'm saying? We need to be praying God's will because it is so incredibly positive and alive and powerful and, and looks impossible. Well, he's the God of the impossible. All impossibilities are equally possible with God. Um, let me try to give you these last two if I can. Uh, we'll go quick, all right? It's early, actually, but I feel like I've been up here a while. Philippians 4, 6. Here's another one. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything. That means in every situation, all the time, always, continuously, all right? And, and where it says, by prayer and petition, that word prayer literally means to pray the prayers of God, not just to pray to God, but again, to pray what is on God's heart. That's what that means. By prayer and petition, petitions are very specific requests, okay? This scripture tells us that continual prayer, praying and everything, it eliminates, it, it dethrones worry in our lives, okay? You can't really pray the way the scripture tells us to pray and come out of that time in worry. We, we, well, no, you can't. We can pray and come out in worry, or we can pray and leave the worry behind, okay? It's, it's one or the other. We can't spend that time and have that interaction with God and still come out in worry and in fear. And, and again, don't get condemned about it. Just if you come out in worry, realize I still need to connect with God. I didn't really connect with the Lord because if I had, I'd, I'd be encouraged, okay? And Ephesians chapter six, verses 17 and 18 tells us, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word. And that word there is rhema. It means the spoken, what God is speaking right now. Uh, the, the rhema word of God, take those things and pray in the spirit on all occasions and with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying. There's so much we could say about this, and, and I'm not going to say a lot about it today, but it tells us pray in the Spirit, which has to do with letting the Holy Spirit pray through us. It is 
praying in that prayer language that the Holy Spirit has given to you. Pray in the Spirit at all times, on every occasion. Okay, pray in the Spirit on all times. Keep, keep on praying with all kinds of prayers and requests. There are a bunch of different kinds of prayer. There's a prayer of petition. There's a prayer of intercession. There's a prayer of agreement. There's a prayer of devotion. There's a prayer of dedication. There's a prayer of consecration. There are all these various kinds of prayers. But one thing that should be consistent through all of that is that we pray in the Spirit and we pray in our understanding. Whether we're, pray, whether we're asking God for something in petition, whether we're praying over somebody else in intercession, whether we are committing ourselves uh, to, a, to, a, to the will of God in some area of our life, no matter what kind of prayer we are praying, there should constantly be this back and forth between praying in the Spirit and praying in our understanding. It's the same with worship. Paul said, I'll pray in the Spirit, I'll pray in my understanding. I will sing in the Spirit, and I will sing in my understanding. We want to be engaged with the Holy Spirit. Take a hold of that supernatural flow of the Holy Spirit in all of these different areas, okay? So, so no matter where we are, no matter what we're going through, that's what we want to do. And in all of that, it says, keep alert. It means to be spiritually awake, to be aware of the activities of the spiritual realm, both good and bad. I think we primarily need to be aware of the activity of the Holy Spirit. But we also need to be aware of the demonic realm and what the devil's doing. I don't think we should ever become overly devil-focused. He's a defeated foe, okay? You can make way too much of the devil. You can put him on way too high a plane in your thinking. It's easy to do, all right? He's already defeated. Jesus is, we're just here to enforce it because he's a liar and he works illegally and he's not bound up yet in this earth. So, yep, we have a role in policing him, but we're the ones in authority. We're the ones with the authority of Jesus Christ, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to us. We're the ones that get to bind the things that are already bound in heaven and loose the things that are already loosed in heaven on this earth. We're the ones in authority. But primarily staying awake means, Lord, I want to be awake. I don't want to sleep through this hour. What are you doing? What, what partnership? What, what's my role today? What do you want me to partner in? over my community, over my family, over my friends, over, over the, the jurisdiction that you have given me. Stay awake, stay awake, and always keep on praying for people. Always keep on praying, particularly, it says, for all the saints, for the believers, okay? All right, so we're not going to get to, obviously, to Matthew chapter 6 this week. Probably pick up there next week unless uh, God gives me something different. Did you get anything out of this today? All right, let's stand up and let's pray together this morning. And then we will be dismissed. Father, Lord, we come before you. And, and Lord, I just see as I look at these people, as I look at these people, Father, I see we sang this morning about an army rising up. And as we go out into this community this week, Lord, you, I know you will give us many opportunities some to speak directly to people or to bring something into their life, to minister to them, and some 
uh, some way like that. Others, Lord, you will just put them, you will call them to our attention to pray for. Whether we even know what's going on in their lives or not, Lord. And I just pray, Father, over this part of the army, Lord, that we would be sensitive to what you're doing, sensitive to what you're saying, that we would take every opportunity. You told us, make the most of every opportunity. Lord, we, we don't think it's, um, we don't take it for granted that you bring these people through our lives, Lord, and we want to be a part of what you're doing. So I pray over this group, Lord, as we go out, we'd be a light in this community. We would be a blessing to this community. We would carry your name and your presence well into this community. We would bind the things that Satan's trying to do in people's lives. We would loose your work in their lives. Father, all of that, we just open ourselves to it and ask you to use us in a powerful way. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, we're going to say it on the count of three that Jesus is Lord. We're going to mean it. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. We're going to be dismissed. You guys go out there and be the church. We'll open up those doors. You can head out that way. And then there, there are tables out front. There are tables out back. There are places you can hang out and fellowship. Okay? Love you guys. All right. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.